<laughs> Welcome to MonkCast, a podcast from the Benedictine monks of St. Benedict's Abbey in Atchison, Kansas. And today we're joined by Brother Angelus Atkinson and Brother Maximilian Anderson, the two most recently professed monks at the Abbey. So thanks for joining us, guys. You're welcome. So, uh, you know, why don't we just start right there, because that's an easy place to start. So we're standing in the front of the church in the narthex, and, uh, you know, you're getting ready to walk through the big doors for your professor in Mass. So what's going through your head? Oh, man. (laughs) Um, For me personally, uh, I... I, I, I had, I had a lot of, uh, I, I felt like there was a lot in my life that was like building up to my, uh, professing monastic vows. And I think, a, a, a big sign to me of that is the fact that, um, people who had been parts of my life and like significant parts of my life sacramentally, uh, were, were all there to witness me taking vows. So my parents who uh, obviously raised me and like took care of me when I was a little kid, but then also my godparents. So like the two significant groups of people for when I was baptized and then my confirmation sponsor and his wife and his family were, were there as well. So uh, for me, it, it felt like it was the, the culmination uh, of, of a journey um, and uh, the beginning of, 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 of a new journey too. Uh, I'm really excited to hear what Brother Angelus has to say about that, though, too. Um, thank you. Uh, for me, it was um, what was going through my head. I mean, at that moment, it was just the history of God's mercy in my life um, that led me to make this act of faith. Um, and something that was very fruitful, we went on a pre-vows retreat with Father Simon, who's our new direct superior, the junior master. Um, and we spent a lot of, we meditated on the texts of the uh, rite of solemn profession, which is kind of the fullness of the rite um, of profession. And um, we looked at how when you profess vows to the abbot before God and his saints in the community, to Christ through the abbot, um, these things are sort of impossible vows um, to complete on my own. So I don't know, going into it, I was just very aware of the disproportion between my desire and, and the object. Um, Leonard Cohen just oh, wow. <laughs> released, well, his family, his son released posthumously his, uh, his last album, I was actually just looking at that recently because we were kind of on a media fast for six months. So it came out a while ago. So, But for me, it was new. But he has a great, great song. I think it's Thanks for the Dance. No, it's What what Happens to the Heart. Anyways, at the end of the song, it's one of those two, but at the end he says something like, uh, I, I have... I have nothing to teach except the the goal exceeds the reach. Um, although Brother Floyd was telling me he says it the other he says it the other way around, but then in the poem he says, but he he was always doing that, playing around with the wordplay. But the point being, like I was aware of this disproportion between the goal, what my heart desires, which is union with God, um, and the reach, my capacities, and yet. Uh, 
my experience of him up to this point makes it eminently reasonable to profess these vows to this presence that has met me in my life uh, every day with mercy that makes it possible to say yes, knowing that he will be there. So the beautiful thing we looked at in the retreat was um, you profess vows, you go sign them on the altar, uniting them with Christ's offering um, on the book of the Gospels, the good news. And uh, Father Simon likened it to you, you, we all kind of did, we were just discussing it. It's like you jump into this infinite chasm. Mm -hmm. You jump into the infinite. And right after that, you go down and you perf- and you sing the sushi pay. Receive me, O Lord, and I will live. Receive me, O Lord, according to your word, and I will live. Do not disappoint me in my hope. And so it's almost like if we've jumped into the chasm and then opened our arms to, to, the, to the one person who can uh, make this a reality. Um, the thing that was really striking to me uh, that came out of those conversations, though, too, was the fact that it's not like a, uh, there is risk involved, but it's not like, um, I don't know, like a gambler's like calculated risk on, uh, on a set of like good odds. I'm actually risking, uh, risking my life and, um, and like my, my entire, my entire person on the reliance of, on, on like the reliability of another person, namely Jesus Christ, who's able to, uh, yeah, uh, who's able to give me the grace to actually be able to like live out the vows every day. So, um, uh, I, I've heard, I've heard, uh, I've heard it said before of like, uh, people on their wedding days, like this is just the first day and like in like the beginning of like a long journey like there's a lot of pomp pomp, pomp and circumstance around like uh the actual like wedding day itself but like uh the marriage everything that happens after the wedding day is like uh the real the real focus and um that's uh i i find that to be true of monastic profession as well it's like there's a lot of pomp and circumstance but then like the the profession is like made real it like takes on flesh in like my day-to-day life now so what are you up to now? What is your what is your plan as a junior monk? What what, are, what will you be pursuing according to your vow of obedience, of course? But uh, you know, <laughs> besides whatever the abbot tells me to do. <laughs> um, well, uh, so one of the biggest things that changes from like uh, like Brother Angelus and I were novices before this, um, and now we're now we're junior monks. One of the biggest things that changes within that time is we're given uh, assignments. Um, for me, uh, I, I've been asked to assist Brother Levin uh, in his work as vocations director, so I'm going to be the assistant vocations director. Um, I've been asked to assist our brother Jerome with uh, his work as being the socius to the novices. So I'll be helping out Brother Jerome with like uh, working with the novices, um, uh, working with them during like their their like actual labor uh, manual labor periods. Um, which is something that I really wanted to continue doing. Um, so I'm really grateful for that. And I am going to be taking classes at the college. Very cool. How about yourself, Brother Angelus? Um, I've been asked to also continue formation classes at the college. Um, I will be continuing my study of Hebrew with Sister Irene over at the Mount 
For as long as she wants to do it. <laughs> I'm, the last, I'm the last person who stands between her and complete retirement. Um, so I've told her, you're going to have to tell me when, when to stop because I just enjoy this too much. Um, and that's something I, I, I began when I came here, and, and we had a psalms course with her, mm. um, and that's to be able to read and pray this, with the scriptures. Um, As an aside, we'll be honoring Sister Irene at the Abbot's table on April 18th. Save the date. So. Indeed. <laughs> indeed. Um, and I will be assisting Father Jay in his work as retreat master. So I'll be assistant retreat master and... Um, I have yet to find out exactly what that looks like. So obviously you sort of revealed this just now by saying you were enjoying your Hebrew courses, but uh, when we journey back a little bit farther and tell us a little bit about where you guys came from and what led you to said profession uh, prior to joining the monastery. So, uh, you know, you were a teacher of languages. We'll start with you, Brother Angelus. Yes. Uh, Well, one language in particular, I was teaching Latin at a middle school and high school called Trinity School at Meadowview. Uh, in Falls Church, Virginia. Great school. Got to visit there. The abbot sent us to visit our family and friends after profession, so I managed to uh, spend a day over at Trinity and see my former colleagues and students, which was Mm -hmm. a great joy. Um, And so I was there for three years before coming to the Abbey. Um, And uh, I had been visiting monasteries for about, about eight years or so, maybe more, I can't, uh, about that and about as many monasteries, um, but nothing, at, I wasn't at the right place to be simple in front of uh, the signs God was giving me, so, but he was working, he is patient, he is very patient, and uh, so by the time these last three years, uh, there was, um, I was becoming more simple, and um, someone suggested look at St. Benedict's Abbey, because um, we both had a mutual friend and Father Meinrad Miller, and surprise, I think surprise. I'm I think I'm the ten thousandth person to say that. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> and so I uh, I had summers off. I was already planning a cross country motorcycle trip, um, so I decided to change it up and make it a halfway country trip and and do a vocations retreat. Come to Kansas and do a retreat. So that's how I first came here, and then... Um, what, what was your uh, major in? What were you educated in in college and stuff like okay, that? Okay, yeah. Well, my first year of college, I was studying jazz piano for a year um, at University of North Florida. I injured myself by playing too much piano, so I had to stop, and I transferred to Ave Maria University, and I majored in English literature, and I minored in Latin. Right on. So, Brother Maximilian, what brings you to Atchison now, uh, journeying back to... Well, kind of like from whence you came. Yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of like I said. I feel like it's like been like the culmination of like a long journey with like a lot of steps on the way that didn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense to me at the time. Um, I uh, I really think that um, this really this really kind of began for me when I was in high school, and it was actually before I was in high school when I was thinking about where I wanted to go to high school. Um, my parents and I uh, were thinking very seriously about uh, what uh, what a good academic formation was going to look like for me in high school, and we were starting to look for options either out of state or with homeschooling for high school. I wasn't a huge fan of the of the homeschooling option, um, so my parents uh, my parents did a lot to like uh, try and make resources available for me. Um, so we went up to visit. 
St. John's Prep up in Collegeville, Minnesota, and that's actually a monastery that's a part of our congregation. And um, I had a really good visit there, and uh, they they gave us free bread, which was really neat. Um, but the 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 for for uh, whatever reason, the uh, the school just didn't really feel like a good fit for me, and. Um, I, uh, I, I went and I visited another Benedictine prep school um, in Omaha called Mount Michael Benedictine uh, Prep. So uh, I, we wound up visiting there. Uh, I loved it. My parents loved it. I applied and I wound up going through all, all four of my years of, uh, of school there. And when it came time for me to think about going to college, uh, I was... Um, I, I, I heard about Benedictine because of like a Catholic, uh, a Catholic college fair that we had at Mount Michael's cam- on Mount Michael's uh, campus. And I came and I visited here. And like, I think here even more so than Mount Michael, like when like, I just like was like here on campus and like being shown around everything, like it just felt like the place where I really needed to be. And um, I remember asking my mom about some of the other schools that I was thinking about going to, like there's some public schools in Nebraska, like UNO, um, uh, or UW back in Wyoming, um, or even Creighton in Omaha, and uh, they all had this. This is like the real, the real like sticking point for me. Like they all had applications that you had to like pay for, um, and I was like, I don't even really know if I want to like go to any of these schools. Let's not spend fifty bucks on filling out a form for for <laughs> for a school that I'm not sure I want to go to. And Benedictine's application was free. Um, which shout was, out to Benedict. Shout there out to Benedictine College. I also used to work in the in the office of admission here. If you can't tell, <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, so the conversation that I had with my mom was uh, just I. She, she said, "Well, if if it doesn't wind up panning out, I suppose you can always transfer." And I was like, "All right." Let's let's do it. So I I, can't, I came here and I loved going to school at Benedictine College. I absolutely loved it, and I'm really grateful that I did too because this was the place where I really started to like become alive in my faith, and uh, I encountered people who had something that I wanted, and what they had that I wanted was a real living relationship with the God who had created them, them uh, a real living relationship with Jesus Christ. And that was something that I hadn't really like ever seen or like bumped into in my life before. And um, I started making different friends when I was here. I uh, I started praying more and I started going to daily mass. And I and I wanted to like uh, grow in uh, grow in this new relationship. And like as I was growing in it, I uh, also grew in a desire to like want to share that with other people too. Um, that for me was the real driving force behind my wanting to be a focus missionary after I graduated from college. So I applied to be a focus missionary. I worked for focus for two years, one year at Tulane University down in New Orleans, um, roll wave and, uh, one year at, uh, at UT Tyler in, uh, Tyler, Texas. So that's the university of Texas at Tyler swoop, swoop, um, and within that time was like the real like flowering and like budding forth of my desire for celibacy, my desire for a vocation to virginity, um, which for me, like at that time, I, I was just blown away by the fact that like my heart started desiring to belong to like God and to God alone. And um, I came up here for a vocations retreat, a come and see retreat 
because Brother Levin called me and told me that um, there was going to be grant money available for like flying people out for the retreat. So it was going to be free, which was a huge plus for me. Um, and noticing a theme in your vocation. Yeah, story. there's a lot of there's a, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of things that are really like financially motivated. <laughs> yeah, God remove the price from all of the places that you That's want right. to go. Like, well, I mean, <laughs> the Lord speaks to us in like a number of ways. Right. <laughs> um, and uh, I had a really I had a really awesome experience in being able to compare and like judge my experience that I had on the vocations retreat here against another vocations retreat that happened like a week later that was like for a number of reasons like more uh like there were there were like more guys like more young guys at that retreat like their 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 house of their house of formation was like more flashy and like all that sort of thing um and like i actually had friends that were like with me on that retreat but like here felt like home and uh, I decided to pay attention to that and not ignore it. And so I came back for a couple more retreats and just really came to a place of, I have to join. Like, this is, this is the only way that I know how to, like, live my relationship with God and continue growing in it. Because if I don't, I'd be turning away from him. So one thing, obviously, you both have in common uh, is being a Benedictine monk. So why don't we flip to the rule of St. Benedict as Brother Maximilian puts his hood on for, <laughs> for those not able to see this radio broadcast. But uh, so, you know, as you, uh, you know, read the rule and kind of contemplate on these things, what uh, struck you from the rule maybe at first? What kind of drew you in to St. Benedict's wisdom, I guess? You know, it's, it's funny. The first time I read the rule through, I think was in 2013, I was at a monastery in Italy, and I, the impression I recall distinctly was um, just just feeling this great perceiving in my heart, this great sense of freedom when I read his words. And then the question being, but, but he talks about obedience so much. How is this possible? And so, mm. it, you know, at that point, I didn't recognize that, that uh, obedience is being obedient to the presence who makes you free. Um, and Benedict proposes a, a, a life that's um, with great awareness of this presence, so that every gesture of the life is to help me recognize and be obedient to the presence of Christ. Um, and so that obedience and freedom are not um, opposed. But um, so that was my first impression, and it still it still resonates. It's deepened in in uh, over time, just because there's more uh, more life and more experience of of following that freedom, uh, which led me here. But uh, I think that'd be the biggest thing. And and you know, there's there's and his great discretion. Um, the first word of the rule is absculto fili, preceptum history. So just listen, just open your ear and listen, and inclina aurum corda. So and just turn the ear of your heart. Um, so he's asking me to verify this this life he's proposing. He's not saying, hey, just just do it or just believe it because I said so. It's like, no, 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 take your heart and listen to what I'm proposing, and listen to that in your life. And like that's what the this this past year and a half has been. Live the rule. And listen, see if it if it makes my heart grow, if it corresponds to its desire. Um, and there's a word in there. He says, "Libenter excipe," freely take it up. And so from the beginning and all the way through, 
in the rule, it, it's your freedom is at, my freedom is at stake. Um, and the beautiful thing I found in, in our class with Father Jay was really taking this proposal seriously mm. down to, we had, I remember particularly the chapter on brothers going on a short journey, mm -hmm. which is really easy to be like, well, okay, he says, if you go on a short journey, basically don't eat out when you go on a short journey, unless you have the abbot's blessing um, and come back home quickly. <laughs> That's sort mm -hmm. of the idea. Um, and, and we really took it seriously. Like, okay, why would he say that? What's, what's at stake here? What's, what's, um, let's listen with the ear of our heart. Like, why is this actually for our good? And it, it led to this beautiful conversation that where you eat, where I eat, uh, eating is more than nutrition. Eating is more than just a thing I have to do to keep going. Um, but it's, it's an expression of communion. And so it's an expression of belonging and it expresses where do I recognize the source of my life, the source of what gives my heart life. Um, and so it helped us. I don't know, for me, it was just a very beautiful moment of like, even this small detail opens up um, to recognizing Christ in how I eat lunch, where I eat lunch, who I eat with. And on that note, we'll pause for just one second. So uh, for me, the I have a quote ready. Um, Tattered from, version of the rule he pulls from his pocket. It's it's water damaged because I spilled water on it before. I, this is the rule. This is the copy that I was given when I was thinking about joining the monastery, and I didn't do a very good job of taking care of it. But I did read it. <laughs> um, verses forty-eight and forty-nine in the prologue. Do not be daunted immediately by fear and run away from the road that leads to salvation. It is bound to be narrow at the outset. But as we progress in this way of life and in faith, we shall run the path of God's commandments, our hearts overflowing with the inexpressible delight of love. I really, that really strikes me mostly because that really, that really strikes me as something that I really deeply wanted. And I was blown away by the first time that like I read that because, um, I even in the midst of like growing in my growing in my faith and like growing in my in this relationship that like Jesus like decided that he wanted to have with me uh I was I was more or less like searching for uh searching for a way to like go deeper in it um and it was uh, to a greater or less degree like it was just very clear to me that like this this way of life and like I feel like those verses sum it up like very very clearly this way of life like w isn't going to be easy it's not going to be free of trials um, which is why Benedict says it's bound to be narrow at the outset and the really striking thing to me about these verses is the fact that he doesn't say don't worry it's going to get wider later on he doesn't say it's going to get wider what he says is growing in faith uh, well, I mean, you just heard it. <laughs> uh, what, he, what, he, what he says is, uh, we shall run on the path of God's commandments, our hearts overflowing with the inexpressible delight of love. So uh, much in the same way that Brother Andrew just kind of pulled out this theme of like obedience being for my freedom, I, I, I saw the fact that like Benedict doesn't propose an easy way of life. I, th I feel like anyone who picks up the rule uh, and just starts reading it is able to like, 
is able to discern that and to like tell that from the rule. Um, and anyone who like has like an idea of like what it's like generally speaking within a monastery has like this idea that like it's a little bit more austere than like life in the world is. There's like fewer fewer frills and like uh, more more mortifications. Um, but uh, I, I mean, like once once again, it's just like the question, like what's it all for? It's for the sake of growing in love, and. Uh, yeah, like that, that I really felt like God was proposing to me, like within that, this is how I want you to grow in your love for me. So one good thing I like to ask everybody is, uh, you know, if you were approached by a young guy and he said, you know, why should I become a monk or how might I go about discerning God's will for me? And uh, I suppose you'll probably have to answer this a lot, Brother Maximilian, mm -hmm. given that you're going to be doing vocations work. So how would you respond if someone were to approach you and ask you about monastic life and discernment? Well, it's really hard to do that in the abstract. <laughs> I would say it's actually impossible to do that in the abstract. So uh, for, for me in my own life, like God, God came to me and spoke to me in very, in very concrete lived circumstances. So for me, if someone were to ask me that question, I would, I would say, uh, get in contact with someone somewhere who's a vocations director. Like, who do you already know in your life? Who's a vocations director? Or are there any, like go to your home diocese, um, or contact brother Levin. If like you're listening to this podcast and you know who brother Levin Harton is, um, ask to come on a retreat and like experience because like that's that's the any any anything other than that uh for me personally uh was not helpful because uh, it wasn't it wasn't really based on like uh the way in which god actually wanted to speak into my life which was like through like discern discern by doing or by Ex relationship exactly by, you know exactly to else. what about you brother angelus what, what would you say okay. the i think the most helpful definition of vocation I've ever received and which helped me is that it is your relationship with the mystery and the season we're in is meditating is making present that that mystery took flesh at verbum caro factum est and this means that God the infinite that I desire, that you desire, um, is knowable, comes to you, comes to me in our circumstances, in the flesh. Um, so what was most helpful for me was, was to learn to take my heart seriously, take my circumstances seriously as provocations of that heart, um, as the signs, as a way in which God helped me see the signs of uh, what fulfilled that heart, and then be loyal to your experience. Be loyal to what corresponds to those desires, to, to that desire for, we all want to live a true, good, happy, just life. I mean, you, you might have different ideas of how that's fulfilled, but the beauty of the incarnation of, of the Christian mess announcement that the mystery took flesh is that God will lead us through reality to the fulfillment of those desires. So take yourself seriously. Um, 
notice the kinds of people, the people, the faces that help you live your life with, um, with seriousness. And then be loyal to your experience. Follow what happens. Follow what, follow those people. Follow those um, places that that make you freer. Good answer. All right. So this is the lightning round. So just very short answers, and I might follow up with a why hmm. occasionally. So we'll start off with an easy one. Favorite breakfast cereal? I, I don't typically eat breakfast. Oh, we'll get the lob something up there. Favorite snack? I don't really snack. Oh, often. man, you're killing me. Favorite cereal? <laughs> you didn't eat cereal when you were a child? Surely your mother, like, forced you to eat oh, Fruit Loops at sure. some point. No, my, my, my mother makes delicious granola, and so we all grew up calling it mummy cereal, and we still just call it mummy cereal. There you go. Do you call all granola mummy cereal? No, no, no there's only one mummy cereal. Okay, because there's only one mummy. Made by my mummy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's a specific strain of granola from Canada. <laughs> Where are you from? You have an accent. I, I am from New Brunswick, Canada, originally. Very good. Sorry, favorite breakfast cereal? Reese's Puffs. <laughs> good answer. I, I would have gone with the Captain Peanut Butter Crunch. You know, that's a pretty oh. good one. So that's a, that's a close cousin. Well, so, you're not me. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, saint that you most look up to. Ooh, uh, Maximilian Kolbe. All right, how yeah. come? I uh, he was the first one who uh, who really who really convinced me um, that I could be a saint, and that's why. Mary. All right, there you go. Mm-hmm. Favorite fiction book? Uh, recently, just, just because just whatever like, pops in your head. Well, The Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, a good answer. Yeah, I'm I'm currently in the dead marshes yeah. right now, so oh. it's, it's got to be the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <It's great. laughs> that re-re- is their name. I'm rereading it. Very good. Well, we'll wrap the lightning round up right there with uh, those. Oh, actually, let's go with one more. Best piece of advice you ever received? Oh, uh, Mama always said, if you got to eat an elephant, eat it one bite at a time. One day at a time. There you go. All right, well... Um, Brother Maximilian, you want to close this out in prayer? Yeah, absolutely. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Dear God, our Father in heaven, thank you so much for giving us this time to, uh, to gather together to praise you and to, to seek your face. Give us the grace to follow your Son, Jesus Christ, more closely. Mary, we offer ourselves to you and ask that you bring us closer to your son, Jesus Christ. We ask this as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. So once again, this has been uh, MonkCast, and so we've been joined by Brother Maximilian, Mary, and Brother Angelus for uh, you know riveting discussion. Brother Angelus, I don't think you off the hook with the prayer, so you'll have to do it next time when we repeat this uh, exercise, hopefully sometime in the near future. Once again, this has been MonkCast, a podcast from Benedictine Monks of St. Benedict's Abbey in Atchison, Kansas. And for more from the monks, see their website, kansasmonks.org.